0: welcome to yet another episode of when a guy has a really fucked gender as always i'm your host jolene and i'm joined this week by roxana roxana would you like to say hello
1: hi i'm roxana um yeah super glad to be here and how would you describe your gender Well, honestly, I kind of feel like I'm stealing a bit of, like, fuck gender valor a bit, because my gender is actually pretty boring. Um, I would consider myself just kind of like a quirky lesbian mom. I can be a little bit gothy about it, but, like, not, like, especially really, like. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, you know, if you know anything from the show, like, if any of us know anything from the show, it's that we can always fuck up our gender a little bit. um, And that's kind of the fun thing about this show, and I think it's really informative, too. So,
2: Yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, let's. I don't know. We we can do the the kind of classic thing of,
0: of sure. starting in childhood and then just yeah, kind that's of what I was
1: planning on. Um, going through, <laughs> going through yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I guess I would say like you know, um, sort of thing I've thought about like since I've transitioned is like how there's like. You know it's, it's a lot like what you ta- and Cordelia talked about in your thesis statement episode at one point um about how like a trans story is always this kind of like a just so story right um and it's like there's a fancy word for like this, this kind of concept like anamorphosis uh you know it's like it's like a lacanian term i think i don't know i don't really know lacan but um <laughs> like we, we look at uh kind of our stories and our history in a certain way and it always is just so right um and it kind of like pick out these little things that say, oh, this was my gender from the beginning, right? Um, but yeah, so for any, like, point in my life, these things, I I don't know if I would have necessarily had that realization, but I don't know, maybe that's something we can
2: tease out a bit. Okay. So, anim- you said anamorphosis? Yeah, yeah. It's, like, a term
1: that I read. It was actually, like, in a, it was a paper that I think you, like, retweeted from someone. It was about, like, transness in the Byzantine Empire or something like that.
0: And oh like, uh, yes. Yeah. I need to
1: actually read that and also have that person on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely
0: it it's really, super cool. It looked really cool. And I was like, I should read this. And then I i didn't
1: <laughs> Yeah, and it's actually come from another paper that it was cited, but uh basically it's like so there's this painting, right? It's I forget who was mine. I think Hans Holbein maybe. Um and it's like of these diplomats and they're in their fancy like tutor clothes and all that and uh if you look at the painting from a certain way um uh, from like a really oblique angle there's a there's a skull and it's like uh and it just kind of looks like this weird black and white smush if you look at it like straight on right um and so the, i guess the idea is um you know for for history um and you know trans stories are kind of like a personal history right um if you look at a person, an event, etc. Um, you know, there's kind of a way, an angle that we could look at it, where oh, this was this was all along. And I think with that, it's like it's talking about history, and you know, if you think about gender nonconforming people across history, across cultures too. Like, you know, our idea of Western tra- transgenderness is going to be different from like an Indian hydra or you know, a Hawaiian mahu wahwahine. Um Although there's plenty of things that overlap, um, you know, it's it's through this kind of lens that we're seeing transness. And I think we do that in our own lives too. Um, yeah, um, so like, I guess it's kind of a preface for me saying that like, you know, any of these things I would have thought about them as like, oh, you know, this is me being like a man that was like really in touch with femininity, right? Um, that's how I would have thought about a lot of these things, like as they happen in my life. Um, Maybe not was a little kid, but like you not know, as a teenager or you know young adult, et cetera. Um, and it's kind of like through this process of identity uh, formation that you know we create this trans story. So I, I don't know why I really need to feel like I need to like preface that with that, but like <laughs> um it's a it's a
2: concept for me like that I really um kind of ruminated over as I was doing this, oh yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. Um,
3: <laughs>
0: all I can think about is—I don't know if it's actually like an example of anamorphosis, But have you ever seen that drawing of like it's like a bunny, or if it's upside down, it's a
1: duck? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I I'm sure, yeah, I guess I would be that. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm getting hung up on the 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 bunny duck thing instead of. That, no it's a cool uh, idea I'd, I'd love to see the, the actual art that's like this it'd be, be really cool the
0: content of um, mm-hmm. uh the content of the um of what what we're talking about which
1: <laughs> you're good
0: but um yeah so tell me about your childhood
1: yeah so i would say like my early childhood i don't have a whole ton of like really genderful like memories um Basically I grew up like in Hawaii and uh at least in the first part of my life, um, in a military family. Uh and I guess the one memory that I really remember uh as a very young kid, and this is actually something I don't remember to begin with, um, I actually know this through like videos and stuff from I think it's like my second Christmas or something like that. Um yeah, so, like, I got this Barbie doll that was, like, this really special Barbie doll. It did some cool thing. I don't remember exactly what. Um, My sister was getting it, so I had to, too, because it was just such this cool Barbie doll. And, um, you know, looking at videos, I'm like, oh, that's so cool that my my parents were, like, really progressive and, you know, made sure that I had this toy that was a Barbie, even though it was a boy. And, you know, um, yeah. And, uh, but... Juxtaposing this a bit is an actual memory I remember from a bit later, like maybe this was four or five. Um, and there was this Barbie, it was also a Barbie doll. Um, and it was, uh, I saw it advertised like a Nickelodeon or something. And it was this Barbie that had like little swim paddles, little, um, what the hell you call those? Um, birds is escaping me, but uh <laughs> you know, like divers paddles, like um it's so it's total brain fart, but um you know she could swim in the water basically this bar this Barbie like in the bathtub or a pool or something. Okay. And yeah. Um she like a scuba diver, snorkeler Barbie or something. Um and her little legs moved and she could swim. And uh yeah. So I saw advertising like, oh, that is so cool. I have to have that. I want that in the bath or whatever. And uh, we were going through like Toys R Us or something. And I saw this doll and I was like, hey, mom, this doll is like so freaking cool. I want it. And, you know, maybe when I was a two-year-old, it was okay to get that Barbie doll. But uh, as a four or five-year-old, I had to have the talk basically there in, in Toys R Us in the aisle. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's a toy for girls. And, um, you know, like, what would people think if you <laughs> had this, this, uh, this girl's toy, a Barbie doll? Like, you know, I was like, well, what if it was a Ken doll? In there, she was like, eh, I don't know, uh, let's let's get something else. Let's get, uh, you know, a dinosaur or something. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like my first memory
2: of like kind of gender being enforced. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's curious. The sort of. Um...
0: Uh, distinction that your your family was making between um, I guess you at two years old versus you at five years old and the sort of propriety of um, gendered toys and such like
1: that.
2: Right. <laughs> Did, yeah, do you have any, Do you have
0: any sense of why that was... Why? I
1: um... mean, it wasn't really explained to me the reasoning other than like, oh, that's a girl's toy, but I guess my my sense of what my mom was thinking is like, oh, well, you know, at a certain age, like two, um, yeah, maybe I don't know better, um, but at a certain point, I have to learn that, you know, that there's certain things for girls and certain things for boys. And, you know, while my parents are like fairly conservative. I would say they're like, you know, even to this day, like despite, you know, how crazy conservative has, has been in, the, in the, uh, recent years, um, you know, they're still like kind of the rare sort of Mitt Romney, like, um, you know, socially, I don't know if this is really Mitt Romney, but you know what I mean, maybe John McCain's better, but like socially progressive and like really like conservative, like as far as like, you know, foreign policy and economics and stuff. Um, Yeah, so despite sort of that, you know, still there's of course kind of, as with most families, I think of of folks in my generation and still now, um, you know,
3: this enforcement of gender.
2: Okay, interesting, interesting. And... Yeah, I guess
1: she figured a five-year-old should know better, but maybe not a two-year-old.
0: Okay. okay. And you said that you, you were growing up in a military family?
1: I was, yeah, yeah. We were growing up in Hawaii. Um, I didn't move too much. Like, I did live for, like, a couple years, um, you know, actually uh, not too far from now, but uh, but mostly in Hawaii. Um, yeah, and that's kind of an interesting thing, too, I think. Um Like, you know, my dad was in the military, and, you know, there's all these guys around me He's also gone for long periods of time because he was in the Navy. And um, so I think in a way, like, I was around my sister and my mother a lot, and their friends and all that. Um, And so, like, I knew that I had to be, like, had this image of masculinity, but it was also, like, this kind of foreign thing that, like, I was not really so much part of. Um, Yeah, so, like, those are kind of my memories of, like,
2: dudes in the military from when I was a little kid. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um Yeah. Were you gonna say something? Yeah.
1: So like I guess another thing too that I was thinking from when I was a kid is like a big thing that I think well, I guess I'd say that I don't have too much other memories of gender being forced other than kind of these things I'm picking out. Um, but like I think a big theme in my life, and uh, through this story, is like kind of um, sort of masking or, or really just kind of repression. Um, so I'm autistic, and uh, when I was young, around this these same ages, like in elementary school, um, I well, I was first diagnosed with dyslexia, and um, I basically we got funding from the state because the essentially the the special education system in Hawaii at the time was not very good and uh so I went to a school that was like for dyslexic and ADD, ADHD and autistic kids and um I'd do things like I'd stem like I'd sort of like flap my wings a little you know flap my hands kind of like little bird wings um you know I would uh sort of rock back and forth and um I was very uncoordinated too like I couldn't even run um like in PE I'd like I don't know, I couldn't get much faster than, like, a quick jog. And I've always kind of had, like, this sort of duck like waddle. So, like, a whole bunch of things going on. They're like, what's going on with this kid? Um, and it was a bit later that I was diagnosed with autism. But um, it's something I was very aware of um, because my parents would, like, notice my stimming and they'd be like, oh, you're flapping your wings, you're going to take off. Or, um, you know, so I was very much aware that, like, there's this thing that I had to, like, mask and repress. Um, one distinct memory I have is, like, actually Bill Gates being interviewed for, like, the Microsoft Antitrust, um, you know, case, and he's rocking back and forth, and my mom was like, oh, that guy, he, Bill Gates, he must be autistic, and there's this kind of the sense of recognition, it's like, oh, this weird-looking guy that i did not like for some reason um <laughs> was doing this thing that i was doing it's like you know maybe um it's like oh that's the richest man in the world he's just like me i didn't have that moment i was like oh no that's that's awful um i don't want to do that which you know total respect for people who stim like that honestly it is just kind of my own repression here talking but um but yeah i i got really good at masking throughout the years a slow process but um i kind of think sometimes it may be like the you know, theme of this is, like, I came out really late. Um, complete diversion now. <laughs> you know, I'm 34 years old. Um, <laughs> and um, I only came out, like, six months ago. Uh, six months ago, seven months ago, in April. So that would be seven wow. months ago. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was longer than that. I feel like I've known you longer no. than that. No, okay. I, pre- I yeah, haven't. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> You've actually known my partner longer. Okay. That's yeah. Tracks. Okay. <laughs> she was like in the, the women's uh like Twitter um chat group. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I guess I should say like that's complete. Sorry, I probably should start out with that. Like mm-hmm. um Yeah. So kind of like a lot of where I'm going with this is like I came out really late in life and, you know, um, I guess where it comes in with autism is like I I learned from an early age to like really mask those things and I kind of feel like my sort of masking of of autism of of everything was uh, was also probably masking,
3: you know, gender too um, in, in certain ways.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what was that,
0: I don't know, yeah, it was like, what is that like kind of as, as time goes on from,
1: yeah, Yeah. like with the masking and stuff? Yeah, sure. So, um, hmm. I guess talking about autism more broadly, uh, well, you know, there was a stemming and stuff that my parents noticed when i was a kid i wasn't actually diagnosed until like middle school though um and at that time i really had kind of more of a shame about it um something i would tell people um and i guess my diagnosis was like pdd nos like pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified which is not even a thing anymore um now i think i'd be considered like autism one which is like low like uh interventions, low support, um, autism. And, um, yeah. Oh, what's that? Oh, sorry. I, okay. I didn't say anything. I
0: think I just made that oh, <laughs> <It's just reading. laughs>
1: <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, so there's a tense, like, shame about it, like, I think in my teenage years, but, um, it's time and and like yeah, I, I've been pretty good. Like when I've told people I'm autistic, they're like oh I can't even tell, which is funny now because like I'm a little bit because <laughs> I'm being recorded and all that. So I'm probably all the quirks coming out. But um yeah, like, you know, I, I work at a job where I'm socializing all the time, like I work in customer service, um, you know, at a call center and um constantly talking with people and you know, people in my life like when I've told them it's like, oh, I can't believe you're autistic and all that. And it's like, well, <laughs> I am. Um yeah um so i have a much more positive view on it now um i would say on the side like you know the way i would consider autism is you know i i believe in in radical neurodiversity like i think there is a spectrum of neurodiverse people and includes everybody Um, i think that the idea that there is some kind of neurotypicality is is kind of the thing that's uh i I think total construction um you know and what we consider autistic or neurodiverse um, generally is a a sector of this the spectrum of, of neurodiversity which is um not acceptable uh essentially or at least is stigmatized um and yeah so that's uh that's my take on it but um
2: that's a thing that has really evolved like when i was much younger it was something i was honestly ashamed about you are ashamed about um... being autistic right okay yeah. mm-hmm. okay
0: and that I, I assume that that's sort of colored. I don't know. Like, so how long did you? Um, you're talking about being at a specific school for? Yeah. Um, what was the What was the exact? Um,
2: coverage so yeah, of, basically, of
1: it was. So it was intended for dyslexic students, um, and it, a lot of the language art stuff was around. Um, specific sort of reading methods for dyslexia. Um mm-hmm. but basically because the at that time the education system in Hawaii was very was not very good. Uh especially for special education. They just ended up taking all sorts of different neurodivergent students, like, you know, with ADHD, with autism, et cetera. So I was very much around other people who like um until I left there, <laughs> um, who were, you know,
2: I was I was pretty normal. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And how long were you
0: um, at this school?
1: From, like, second grade till uh, I moved away from Hawaii uh, in sixth grade.
2: Okay.
0: And was that, did you enter, like, a less specialized school at that point,
1: or...? Yeah, so at that point, my dad left the military, and uh, we moved to Ohio, uh, to uh, to Midwest, to Ohio, I already said it, um, <laughs> uh, between sixth and seventh grade, um, and it was a really disruptive period of my life. Um, I started going to public school, and uh, I went from this really, like, generally diverse, kind of liberal, diverse environment to, like, a suburb in the Midwest, right? Um, yeah, it was awful, and <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's when I, I left that school and left Hawaii,
3: too.
2: Okay. And what
0: was that kind of, I mean, you said that it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> I was.
3: Um, say, um, at least can can you say, say more?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah, uh, I guess the, the the school itself is very different as far as, like, the education style and all that. Um,
2: and, yeah, uh, you know, I was all of a sudden, like,
1: I mean, a lot of it is just moving from Hawaii to Ohio. I would just, I would say that's a big part of it. Um,
0: right. I can imagine that you know, being a sort of
1: pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah, and I, I guess a lot of it was just kind of this this disconnect from from moving, but also, um, yeah, just I don't know, like. I don't want to get too stereotypical about the Midwest and all that. I, like, I, kind of in hindsight, there's things I really miss about the Midwest. But um as I was experiencing it as like a twelve-year-old, um I was like, I'm not in, because I was living in in Honolulu like when I was a kid, and as like now, like in some some suburb in Ohio, and uh, you know, it was just you know a bunch of kids with like the slicked-up like early 2000s like hair with like all sticks up the bangs and stuff um just like lame preppy Abercrombie and Fitch kids um and like that was like the cool thing at the time um and like yeah I guess it was a lot more clicky too like there was actual like clicks and stuff for you know in our school when I was in elementary school and at this specialized school like we didn't really have like cool kids and lame kids we were all just kind of weird um and And, yeah, and part of it was just, like, the way the school was done, too. Like, now I had, like, math assignments where I had to have, like, you know, 50 algebra problems done, you know, and it would all be graded and all that, where that wasn't so much of a thing at my previous school. Um, So it was very, it was much more authoritarian, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, at that time, like, because of this sort of, kind of rupture in my life um I didn't really hang out with people outside of school and uh, I kind of gravitated to like you know the kids who were like kind of outcast, like you know punk and skater kids and um even though like I was generally uncoordinated and couldn't actually skateboard or anything like that um and you know like yeah, so I was kind of hanging out with these kids that were like doing drugs and doing like into punk rock and stuff. But like, I was just kind of eating lunch with them, and you know, <laughs> didn't really see them outside of school. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I did have like the internet, and so I spent uh, a lot of time on bulletin boards and like sort of starting out from, like the various like early two thousands like popular pop punk bands of the time, and you know, like branch out into like more obscure like. Punk and goth and sort of stuff and everything I could find like on Winamax or Kazar or whatever, um, yeah. And I sort of formed like these
2: relationships with people like online. Okay, yeah. And what was what was that sort of like? What was? I mean, what
0: was there between this and school? And yeah, right. This is sort of like middle school era. Are you starting right. to encounter the idea of like?
1: queerness or um yeah so not so much in middle school um but like as as I went into high school especially like through like my freshman year in high school um I basically like I started being friends with a whole bunch of like lesbian bisexual girls. Like there is one click of um and I guess so you're asking more about the internet stuff. Honestly the internet stuff like Well or or both are both yeah i mean honestly the internet stuff i didn't really get a whole lot from that at least not at that time um but like yeah as i got into high school like there are these upperclassmen girls and there wasn't really like a click of like gay people other than them um like there would be like maybe like in band or in in drama like there would be like a few of them um those mostly like straight kids or like maybe maybe they're in the closet i don't know um <laughs> i haven't really kept up with a lot of them but um the one click of of queer people was really um this group of like lesbian bisexual upperclassmen girls. Um and so I started getting out more because my sister, my older sister is like two years older than me and she had a car at that point. And um so like she was kind of friends with them too. And I could like go out and actually do things outside my home. Um, <laughs> um yeah, so I, I started branching out much more and it was with these these kids who were, you know, um these like bisexual Wiccan girls. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We love we love
1: that. We love bisexual wicking girls indeed. Um there's and yeah, f-
0: one in every school at least. Oh, there, I had like
1: a whole COVID. I there needs
0: it. to be it's really important for like um ecological balance. We need to It is.
2: We Absolutely. we honestly
0: should should be importing them. We um, be.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's interesting too, like, I feel like Wicca at that time, like, there are people actually going to like, you know, meet with each other and all that. Like, I feel like there's still, like there's kind of like this revival of neo-paganism, like on TikTok and things like that. But it's very, um, I don't want to get like, really pop Marxist. to see that I don't even really like this language a whole lot, but it is in a sense really atomized. Like, you know, um, like there used to be a lot more active, like they're still around, of course, but, like actual organized groups of these folks, and um, yeah, in fact, one of the girls I really liked was her mom was a was a uh, priestess, I guess you'd say. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that's a complete aside. But yeah, it's it's, it's interesting to compare like the kind of neo-paganist stuff now versus then. Um,
0: how was this sort of how was this kind of social environment like received
1: by your family? At first they didn't really know about it. Like my sister would just drive me and like I'd say that I was hanging out with like, I don't know. We'd say we hang out with each other. Like sometimes we would like if there's no one around, we'd just like walk around the mall. And so, <laughs> um, um, you know, as we did in like 2003 or four, or whatever. Um, But, like, yeah, so we would say we were just hanging out with each other, but I would be, like, hanging out with these girls. Um, Sometimes my sister would be with me, too, but sometimes she would go off and do her own thing with her own friends, and I'd be there. And so, like, at first they didn't know, but eventually, like, you know, they did. And I don't know, my parents, they were pretty accepting, like, you know, they... Yeah.
0: Yeah, they didn't have any comments about it. That tracks with how you described them earlier.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so th- these are for both my, like, first sort of, like, sexual experiences, but also, like, my first, like, gendery experiences, um, <laughs> um, where I actually got really close to actually kind of making the realization. Um, but, yeah, so I mentioned that one girl that I really liked. Her her mom was priestess and all that. Um, I'd spent nights at her house. Um, at a certain point, they actually knew that I was going there, and, like, I spent, like, five nights at her house I don't know what my parents like maybe they thought I was gay and like they're really happy I was with this girl or like maybe they thought that nothing was going to happen or maybe they knew that she was gay I don't know but like I could just spend a whole bunch of time with this girl um (laughs) and so you know like you know we did stuff and um but a funny thing is like looking back you know uh maybe this is a moment of like anamorphosis or something but uh basically with her and some of these other girls and basically like all the girls that I like, you know, fool around with as a kid. Um, they weren't really ever like my girlfriends, so to speak, for the most part. Um, they were just like friends and a lot of them were bisexual. Uh, and actually two of them that I am able to keep track with are like just gay women now married to women. Um, <laughs> uh, so I don't know, maybe presumptuous to say that I was like, I was having very, like, I guess you could say, lesbian-coded sex, but like as like a guy <laughs> with a bunch of like lesbian bisexual friends, um, and and yeah, that wasn't entirely lost in me either, um. So this is kind of like the cringy, but also kind of funny, very funny, uh, gender realization moment where I almost got it. Was I would actually joke with these friends and I'd say, "Oh yeah, like look at me, I hang out with a bunch of lesbians. I'm a lesbian with a penis," you know. <laughs> Totally normal thing for like someone to say as a fifteen-year-old, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So it's really funny thinking back, like how close like I was to the thing, you know. Um,
2: but like, I don't think we really knew any. I didn't know any trans women, and
1: like, much less. A lesbian trans woman like you know i had this sort of world online too where i would like voraciously like um consume information you know uh and i remember distinctly like uh investigating like oh what are transgender people um and so i'd read that material i can't think of like the websites i looked at at the time but i remember doing so and uh even to the point, it's like, oh well, how does like, you know, how does bottom surgery work? How does a vaginoplasty work? How does a phalloplasty work? And so, like, I was doing this as like a kid, um, and so it was very much on my mind. Um, and <laughs> I even articulated it in a certain way by making that joke that, you know, I'm a lesbian with a penis or whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess I kind of thought, and this is your other guests have said this too. Um, at the time i kind of thought like a trans woman was like a man who was so gay who had be she had to be st- uh, a straight woman right uh yeah <laughs> uh, you know that's which obviously isn't true but um i think at the time that's was the only kind of
2: category of a trans woman that was really uh visible at least um yeah not that that's right really
1: not that that's even a real thing you know what i mean uh (laughs) right no but
0: i mean like that was like such like the sort of like i don't know like yeah when i was like first kind of introduced to the concept of like a trans woman or something when i was in like middle (laughs) school or whatever that was just kind of how i parsed it because i was like yeah i don't know yeah that just sort of like seemed to be from like the concepts that were available to me and like Mm Where did where did you, doing that kind of research, was it just, like, sort of, like, idle curiosity? I mean, I guess, right, like, sort of, like, anamorphosis, we can say now, like, ooh, you know, like, right. but at the time, did you have any kind of, like, rationalization,
1: or? I don't know, like, honestly, I just really liked reading, like, I was into, like, occult stuff, I was into, um, which is why I like these, I think that's actually how I got, like, my in with the... You know lesbian and bisexual wiccan girls is like oh yeah i i like this stuff too and um we talked a whole bunch about that um so like i just like weird stuff <laughs> um and i uh know yeah, not that it's weird but like in hindsight that's how i thought about it um and you know i was just kind of immersed in like conspiracy theories and you know um Weird history, dark history, uh, you know, like, some left wing stuff, um, you know, like, baby 15 year old me left wing stuff, but like, and the kind of thing that was around in the mid 2000s. But, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Noam Chomsky is reading him too. But like, so it was kind of like, I, as part of, you know, being transposed into the middle of this flat Midwestern suburb, I I really got into just anything that I thought was was different from my surrounding, and I just wanted to know all about it. And I distinctly remember like <laughs> a few nights just reading all I could about transgender people.
0: <laughs> but you didn't really approach anything like could this be something that I I don't know, did you find yourself like relating to this sort of
2: um, stuff in any kind of capacity or hard for me to say looking back Um, I mean yeah it's
1: I don't think I really quite made the connection like I feel like maybe a part of me did with like the shit that I would like that joke that was lesbian with a penis or whatever but like I don't know I don't remember like making that connection at all um, or, like, if I, I don't know, if I identified with trans people is because I just didn't know who I was, I guess, or, like, I had a lot of hard time with identity. Um, mm-hmm. And I just couldn't put it together, like, as that, like, I was, I maybe this is me. <laughs> I think a lot of it was because, like, I, I really liked women. Like, there's always part of me which was, like, oh, I could sort of like guys, but, like. I don't know like as far as like romantic sort of attract attraction like it's always been towards women and i was like i didn't really think that i would be like desirable as like a trans woman to like a lesbian woman um i think i had like even before like obviously now with like these turfs who are like you know oh these trans lesbian women are just trying to get into lesbian female spaces and you know and want to force lesbians to date them and all that i think i even before that was like you know now that's like a talking point i think i internalized that like as a kid somehow even though i mean just because of predominant cis uh hetero society i guess um i don't know right despite sort of having
0: um been like invited i mean right like not sort of like i've seen this isn't sort of like nominally or like any any kind of like thick sense like a lesbian space but it sounds like you're hanging yeah. out in a sort of like very kind of like sapphically saturated social space <laughs> i apologize <laughs> for late. the alli-
1: for the alliteration that's <laughs> perfect actually i love it um yeah uh i definitely was and you know i and there's also like something that I still sort of deal with. Um and I think it's come up in the show too. I can't remember a specific episode or who it was, but like there's sort of this concern as like a good, like liberal or left-wing man. Like you can't like you know, um you don't want to invade women's spaces, you don't like as a man, let's say, like not even as a trans woman, like as a man. Um, you don't want to like impose yourself upon women, you don't want to um you don't want to be a creepy, misogynist guy, right? And um, like I said, I still have this like since like early on when I was transitioning, like using bathrooms, like oh, that's really scary because like not only is there all the rhetoric around it, but like oh, I don't want to make women uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think maybe that was it a bit um, that like. I guess I didn't really believe myself as a woman. I didn't even make the connection that maybe I was a trans woman, right? Even though I like immersed myself in in that a bit. Um, I don't know if immersed right, quite word, word. I was very aware of it, but um, yeah. I, I guess that's does that make sense? <laughs> um,
0: I think so. Yeah, it's it's sort of. I don't know, right? It's strange because there is this sort of like the. The kind of common consensus around, like, sex and sexuality and gender and all this sort of stuff is so... It's, like, both sort of, like, it's its a consensus, right? So it's, like, it's yeah. obviously there. But it is also, like, so sort of, like, ineffable. And, like, when you start to describe it, you kind of start to feel a little
1: silly. Right. right. But but it's there. It's a real thing. It's a real thing that we live in. It's, we mer- are immersed in it like we swim in it. Like, we can kind of make our own you know sort of little societies as as trans people too um or just as, as people who you know are rebelling against that or you know do not accept that sort of dominant
2: society but it's still the air we breathe in you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah what
1: i don't know where, where where do things keep going right so um you know, these girls, they they move away, they graduate. Um and yeah, at that point, like I said, there were any other like queer groupings of of people at that school. Um, like they're around, but um, yeah, there wasn't like quite that group, right? Um and so I started hanging out with just like a bunch of nerdy guys, a bunch of nerdy straight guys. <laughs> um you know, we were on, like, the quiz bowl team and stuff. And I kind of gravitated to the ones that were, like, smoking weed and doing psychedelics in addition to these nerdy things. Um, you know, we did, like, usual guy things, like, you know, playing Halo and all sorts of shit like that. Um, yeah, and so I graduate from school. Um, you know, uh, honestly, not a whole lot of gender things in that period of time, like, from, like, the last couple of years of... Of high school other than like it kind of got
2: foreclosed a bit um yeah okay yeah how did you
0: sort of think about that in um contrast with the ethically saturated social space that you existed in
1: previously (laughs) um i mean i had other friends this is just like you know, again, the anamorphosis, right? Um, like, some of these people I knew at the same time, like, in this sort of really male sort of, like, group. Um, but, like, the, I, I
3: was
1: I was, I was, I was hanging around the girls the most, right? Uh, yeah, so how do I feel about it? I don't know, I didn't really like playing Halo. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, well, I mean, it's a nice game. But, like, I, I guess, like, I didn't like playing Halo with a bunch Late at night. There was a lot of fun things we did. Do not get me wrong. Um, and like good memories <laughs> that. But like, I don't know. Like, there was, like, we hung out and we had fun and all that. But like, the sort of like male sort of, I don't know. I, I it's, it always felt a little foreign to me and I was doing it in the kind of an act. Again, maybe. can maybe i that's just... oh, What's up?
2: I have please a,
0: I have a very I have a very silly question and this is something yeah. I was I've been thinking about this morning I was thinking about it this sure. morning I've just been kind of coming back to it like um periodically I don't know why I'm thinking about it now there hasn't been anything like that's happened really recently that sparked it but like sure. fighting games are kind of gay right yes like, oh my gosh oh my
2: gosh were, I, I were almost guys- mentioned <laughs> okay. that
1: were you guys playing so, fighting games at all? <laughs> a bit. Yes. Yes, we did. Absolutely. Okay. Um And you agree that they're gay. <laughs> they're extremely gay. And honestly, like playing Halo and like rough housing and stuff and like late at night with a bunch of dudes in high school um is extremely gay. And, you know, there is right. the like I guess now people would say, Oh, not gay or whatever, but we we did that same sort of shit too. Like it's very, very gay. Extremely Right.
2: Um, Which I guess, yeah, this is interesting, right? Because I'm one of the I'm like the worst kind of bisexual, and
0: that I just kind of forget that like everyone else isn't bisexual, right? I can feel it. But I I know that you've I can't remember if it was earlier on air. I think yeah, it was on air. You described yourself as a lesbian, and so I assume I guess have you ever? I mean. Felt attraction
2: to men,
1: (laughs) or? Yes. Okay. Yes, actually. And uh, that was actually going to come up soon. Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) So this is how I identified myself for a long time. Um, Actually, basically, I guess I'd still identify as like the mere opposite of this now. Um, What I described myself, uh, like basically up until I transitioned was a,
2: uh, what was it? Bisexual heteromantic. This is like as a okay. guy. Now I would say like
1: lesbian, bisexual, or <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like lesbian romantic bisexual. Like I've had experiences with guys. Um, you know, like they're always really awkward. Um, I've had much more experience with women. Um, but like the idea of a guy can still be hot, um, sure. But
2: like, do okay. I want to be like
1: with him? Not really. No. <laughs> Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, that's that's
1: that's pretty common, I think. Yeah. I think it is too, absolutely. Um yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like those so yeah, I guess that there was definitely gender going on. Let's let's be real. Uh there was tons of that sort of like homo um social sort of stuff going on. Um yeah and that was fun and I, I really don't want to shit on these on this, especially like this part of my life too much because like in fact a couple of the people who would be listening to this who actually knew from high school might actually be a couple of these guys <laughs> and I love you both um oh, and <laughs> yeah I do uh yeah it's just like I don't know I guess as like the 34 year old trans woman who's only been like trans for like seven months looks back uh i can't help but like be like oh i really miss like what if i had friends like you know my queer friends when i was like a sophomore or a junior or whatever it was um you know throughout my life and what if that didn't happen that friend group didn't go away like so yeah as much as i love those guys and did have a lot of fun it was always a little awkward like being around a whole bunch of men and um Yeah. (laughs) I think about what could have been, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But anyways, I go to college. Um, I roommate with one of these guys. Uh, And honestly, I get pretty socially isolated. Like, I went to college just down the road from where I lived. Um, This in the next big city. Um... And the person I, I roommate with, I won't get too much into it, but he just was very much a socially isolated kind of just like smoked weed all the time. We tripped like on weekends sometimes. And uh, he definitely did not do really much of anything outside of that. I did hang out somewhat with people that I worked with and people that I uh, went to class with. But, you know, I could have hung out with him much more. <laughs> um So yeah, it was basically just us like smoking weed, getting drunk or tripping, and this was maybe like two other guys too. Um, and then like these little queens as I had from class and work and stuff. Um and this is all the same time where I was sometimes hooking up with men too, not that they knew that, but uh um but yeah, that was mostly awkward though. Um the experiences of men. Some was fun, but a lot was awkward.
2: Okay yeah oh <sighs> <laughs> yeah, but like when oh. no, you you go first uh, i was gonna I was gonna ask,,
0: um, when did you I apologize if you I don't think you've said this already. When did you sort of start when did you kind of describe yourself as bisexual or start thinking, oh of yourself yeah as bisexual? When I didn't did all, when you all this, this happening.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's, it goes back and forth. Um, yeah, right. So like, yeah. I, when I was with all the gay girls, I really wanted to be gay. So I was bisexual then. Not that I had ever been with a man. Um, And then, like, around this time that I'm describing right now, like, I, I, this was definitely a time where I was ping-ponging ping a bit, because, like, I'd have an experience with a man. I was like, okay, that was okay, or sometimes it was bad. And I was like, well, I've done it. Like, you know. I'm definitely a straight guy because like I've like sucked a cock and it was like it was just okay like it was like I mean I guess oh maybe I do it again but like you know I'm not too into it um but I think later on in life that's when I kind of came up with the sort of tumbler asexually sort of <laughs> uh kind of terminology that I use like you know uh heterosexual or heteroromantic bisexual um
2: yeah and that came much later that I came up with that term oh.
3: Okay,
2: yeah. Okay. So
0: <laughs> you were you were socially pressured into <laughs>
1: into being gay? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I'm kidding. Yeah, I that's really good. wanted to be. I, I identify with queer people, and I think that's a common thing. Like you know, with especially trans lesbian women are you know whatever you want to call us. But um, it's like yeah, I really like girls. But I feel really gay. <laughs> You know, It's cause you are one <laughs>
2: mm.
1: right, right. But yeah, um then, so an interesting thing that I think also was like again, a wonderful experience, but kind of further forestalled my gender transition or realization i guess i should say is i i studied abroad in central asia when i was um in uh, in college yeah i did i did um yeah i studied islamic studies and linguistics i studied persian and if you want to study abroad and learn persian there's only you know there's three countries iran afghanistan or tajikistan and so i ended up in tajikistan because that's where you could study abroad um and yeah so you know, that was a, a very genderful experience, but not necessarily one conducive to, like, um, <laughs> to me being a trans woman.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, I can imagine that sort of is yeah. probably a pretty... I
2: mean, I think um, studying abroad...
0: I don't know. I, I, I guess it probably depends a lot on, one, your f- faculty with language and then Right. Yeah. Like, what? What? Your sort of ability to access? Um. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Much about Tajikistan. Um. In any way, but.
1: <laughs> I guess. Um, Not many people do. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, like, it's a very. Uh. Like. I don't. Know, I don't want to be essentializing or anything like that. Like. Um. But it's a very, like, textbook patriarchal society. Like, literally, like, my host family, right. like, their, my host brother got married, and like, the, uh, his wife moved in, and then she became, Kayleen became like, their daughter-in-law, and you know, like, the sort of classical textbook anthropological definition of patriarchy, essentially. Like, you know, she has to go away from her home, she has no more contact with her, her, her family, and now she's, like, the, you know, this person who's now responsible for social reproduction in this, in this household, for where she, you know, marries her husband, um, you know, in a very, like, domineering art, like, you know, she's very domineered over. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. Lovely place, lovely people, uh, lovely food. <laughs> I was there for like a year, a whole academic year. Um, and yeah, that's uh, a formative period in my life. It's not for, for gender stuff, I guess, um, other than seeing, like, I guess a different valence of a different kind of, uh, I mean, not that different, but also different um, kind of society where gender is treated differently, if, if, if anything more strictly. But um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically, you know, despite like there being this great social revolution in the Soviet Union um, and for women's, uh, you know, equality and stuff like, behind the door so to
2: speak <laughs> there's still a lot of this classical patriarchy stuff right yeah okay okay
1: yeah so i did cool things like i did a little bit of field work and i like went out in like some mountains and shit and it was really great um again like it's a great place so you can go to like a little tiny village and like in the middle of the mountains and you'll have a place to stay and eat and everything it's it's wonderful uh as long as you speak like russian or tajik but uh <laughs>
3: but yeah right? so i got back <laughs>
1: yeah right uh <laughs> uh but yeah i got back to the us and like i was again kind of isolated um yeah uh and you know that's when like occupy wall street happened and all that so i got a, a bit out more when that happened and it's a bit involved with that um although mostly a disappointing thing, really. Uh, Yeah, and I really wanted to go back, actually, to Tajikistan because, like, I don't know, uh, getting stoned with two guy friends was kind of lame in comparison to, like, going to the other side of the world. So I was like, oh, I really wanted to go back. But um, there were not any jobs I qualified for and I couldn't do an unpaid internship. So I thought, oh, you know what I should do? I should get into academia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the way this happened, though, was, uh, you know, in this period of time where I was more isolated, I, like, like there in that Midwestern city, I uh, went on Craigslist and OkCupid okay dates, like, with girls and guys and all that. Um, but I also just, like, chatted with mostly women from, like, all over the country and some people, like, outside the country. And I met this girl from Pacific Northwest, where I live now. And um, we, like, visit each other. And you know talked a really long time on the phone a lot and all that um so I was like i really like this girl and so i looked up at the university where she was still finishing her degree and they had like an anthropology program and some in linguistic anthropology so i was like oh i'm gonna do that and so i chose a graduate school for a girl <laughs> Hell, um, yeah <laughs> yeah which i don't recommend doing like i, I don't regret it Uh, I wouldn't be where I am now with the lovely people in my life that I have, but um, it could have turned out quite differently. And actually, it didn't turn out great, really, as far as the academic part of it at all. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I wouldn't take it back uh,
2: because I love the people in my life now. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, like,
1: I don't know. So I kind of quickly just kind of fill in gaps, um, you know, I married this girl, um, I went to grad school, I hung out with my my grad cohort and had, you know, s- some of them were queer and, you know, that was great, uh, <laughs> uh, I go back to the Giga for, like, four months because I get funding to do it, um, but, like, this is, like, right when my wife gets pregnant with our daughter and, um, I come back and now I have to, like, finish my graduate degree, do this big project that I, like, probably bit off more than I could chew, honestly, um really uh <laughs> and i um had to start working cuz like now we had this kid and she like had to take care of the kid and um yeah and you know and we actually ended up having a second kid too like it's kind of crazy um like just like 18 months after the first one um but ultimately like our marriage fell apart like i was dropping out of grad school and um i was very depressed and i was working this job I didn't really like which I still honestly have um and and yeah our marriage kind of fell apart which uh was a difficult time (laughs) yeah I'm sorry it's okay it's totally fine um yeah um yeah dropping out definitely kind of screwed me up a bit but I'm in a good place Mm -hmm. now (laughs) that's
0: good I'm glad you're in a good place
1: thank you uh but, yeah, that's how I met my my partner, though, like my current partner Amanda. um, you know, I started dating again after that all happened, and um you know, I was hooking up with people again and all that. and, um but like, I guess, you know, being twenty seven years old with two kids, like I and like <laughs> going through divorce, honestly, um, I had a lot of back baggage, so like as far as, you know, commitment and dating all that that didn't really work too well with most people um (laughs) so i um but i did meet my partner amanda and she also had two kids and you know um and you know she didn't really see that baggage so much um and it's just a sweet and wonderful person in general
2: (laughs) hell yeah we love that we love that um yeah yeah yeah
1: and i think like you know kind of the theme for us is that she's always helped me be a better person and be who i am like i think in a lot of relationships there's you know this sort of transference where we kind of think about the other person as like the way we want them to be and uh, and we're very like aware of that i think and we try not to impose our idea of the other person on the other person uh and and yeah, that's always, in comparison to other relationships, especially like, I, don't know, I guess my, my previous relationship, I felt much more able to like kind of be myself and let loose, so to speak.
3: That's
2: good. Yeah, that's thank you. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah,
1: kind of for that reason, like I kind of got more out of my funk, so to speak. Um, You know, like, I kind of thought of myself as, like, I was going to be this academic, like, anthropologist guy that was going to, like, you know, do these cool things, these cool places and all that. And that sort of then he got kind of dashed in the rocks, so to speak. Um, But, like, at this time, I was, like, coming into politics again. Like, this is around, like, maybe 2016, 17 or so. And and I was around queer people again, too, um, including trans and non-binary people for the first time. Uh, yeah, so I I started, like, organizing with my job and all sorts of things like that, whereas, like, getting out and, like, forming, like, this new identity again, so to speak.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, a year into our relationship, we, like, uh, we moved in together really quick. Um, so, we had this big blended family. And... Uh, and, and yeah, so we have four kids together. <laughs> um, and not too long into our relationship, uh,
2: actually, our our daughter, our oldest daughter, um, you know, she was around nine or 10 years old. This is like,
1: geez, like four or five years ago now. Um, you know, she was expressing that she wanted to grow her hair, wear dresses, and that maybe she was a girl. She felt like a girl. Um, and the way we got acted to this was, you know, basically to say, you know, we explained that she could be a trans woman, she could be non-binary, she could be a guy who wears dresses. Um, but yeah, that was, um I'm very lucky to have her in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it wasn't until a few years, years later that she would transition, but, um, but yeah, that was like a... Um, i suppose a formative moment for me as well um this is actually and again i totally screwed up the framing for this because i think that's kind of my unique thing for being on on this podcast is like i am a person who was like a a a dad that eventually you know basically the uh, (laughs) whose daughter came out first and eventually i I transitioned um Mm
3: -hmm.
1: yeah yeah um and yeah so we you know we Eventually, though, she would come out, like, basically when, when puberty hit. And, um, and we'd, like, check in every few months with her. <laughs> um, like, hey, you know, this is this thing you said. Um, you do know want to do anything about that? And she's like, you know, I'm probably a girl, but, like, you know, I'm not going do to that, do that right now. Like, I'd have to, like, change everything at school and stuff. And we're like, okay. Well, you can when you need to. <laughs> um... Yeah, I kind of wish I had the foresight that we all had the foresight to like raise our kid in more genderful, or all of our kids in a more genderful manner. Um, but yeah, I feel like we did the good thing, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I find it's it's so curious because I I don't necessarily think that like
3: <laughs> hmm
0: I don't know I think there's the the whole sort of question about yeah like um genderful or gender neutral mm-hmm. or or whatever right. sort of um phrase you want to use for this idea of raising children in a way
2: which is i guess um not sexist is mm-hmm. um i i think hmm everyone that i've talked to
0: about it um has seemed, you know, sort of, like, very smart and thoughtful about sort of how they've gone about it. Right. A, a sort of tension that seems to me, um, like, they have to kind of deal with, and that <sighs> makes it kind of, um, I, I, I I don't know, it, it seems, even if you are sort of, like, within the sort of, like, family structure, uh, working mm-hmm. very actively to sort of, like, not put sexism on your child or whatever, the rest of the world is still going to do that, you know?
2: Absolutely. um, <laughs> and, <Yeah>. um <laughs> Fuck, you know? Um, right.
0: That just sort of becomes, like, another wrinkle that you have to manage either mm-hmm. when you're, you know, sort of, like, explaining all of this to a child or... Yeah,
2: just kind of, just kind of, you know... Um, going through it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. Um. So. I don't know. Um. I don't know. I mean, I. But I also, right, don't think that the kind of like,
0: I don't know. I guess is there like a quote unquote harm to you know raising a child in a sort of like quote unquote sexist way? Uh. Probably. Yeah. Uh, probably not, you know, but like the majority of people are doing that and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we all just kind of have to try our best. Um, I don't know. Um, I was editing an episode earlier. Well, this is, this doesn't actually really have that much. Well, I don't know. I was, okay. Yeah. So I, I was editing an episode that will be coming out. I don't know. I don't know what order I'm putting things out in. It's probably already out. It's probably on the Patreon. I don't know if it'll end up on the main the- feed at any point, um, but me and a guest were discussing Joanna Roos, one of my favorite okay. authors. Um, And my guest read a section from um, a book of hers that I guess I'll I'll repeat now because the the whole thing is very good, and you kind of need the whole thing to get the the the. G- <laughs> um. I'm not a woman, never never, never was, never will be. I'm a something else. My breasts are some my breasts are something else's breasts. My really rather spiffy behind is a something else's behind. My something else's face with its prophetic thin bones, its big sunken eyes, my long long bones, my stretched out hands and feet, my hunched posture all belong to a something else. I have a something else's uterus and a clitoris, which is not a woman's because nobody ever mentioned it when I was growing up, and a something else's straight short hair. And every 25 days, blood comes out of my something else's vagina, which is a something else doing its bodily housekeeping. The something else has warmed its way into a university teaching job by a series of impersonations which it never ceases to amaze me. For example, it wears stockings. It smiles pleasantly when, call, when it's called an honorary male. It hums a tune when it's told it thinks like a man if i ever deliver from beneath my smooth slightly marbled something else thighs a daughter the daughter will be a something else until unspeakable people like my parents or yours get a hold of it i might even do bad things to it myself for which i hope i will weep blood and be reincarnated as a house plat- plant i do not want a better deal i do not want to make a deal at all i want it all they got to my mother and made her a woman but they won't get me And I guess what I'm sort of thinking about (laughs) what in that may reminded me of it. Um, I mean, both the sort of, you know, uh, impetus towards. um, I want to protect my um, child from this, but also, I think uh, a recognition that that is not a guarantee that you won't end up hurting your child. Um, Absolutely. And also a sort of. I don't know. I guess preemptive expression of remorse over it, um, right. weeping blood and being turned into a houseplant. plant, mm-hmm. um, which you know, I don't. I don't know. I'm not a parent. This is all sort sure. of uh, theoretical to me. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I guess it's a sort of you know um, question of I don't know. And it's it is also right like. I think even from within a sort of like the sexist family structure, that does not necessarily preclude, um, you know, doing the right thing when the time comes. And I think that that kind of uh, can go a long way towards minimizing or obviating the pain that would otherwise be um, inherent to uh, something like a child uh, coming out as trans or.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure either. Like, you know,
1: <laughs> my two kids that I had with my ex-wife, like, weren't really planned. Um, certainly not the first one. And, like, you know, we just kind of blended our family, like, as is. And it just, I mean, I was kind of aware of gender unusual parenting when, like, my kids was born, like, 2014. But, like, yeah, i I, I don't know. It seemed like I think we just kind of go as we, we just do as we go along. And um, some of us are incredibly smart and <laughs> have the foresight to do that sort of thing. Um, is it better? Is it worse? I don't know. I think really, at, at the end of the day, like, as a parent, you have to be be there for your child. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to, like, not harm your child. And, you know, is raising them, you know, in a cis, cis-sexist society harmful? I mean, like, I, like is assigning a gender to them harmful? I guess really is what I want to say. Um, right. I guess, like it could be. I mean, I don't know. Um, but ultimately, what we did about it, like, I guess we weren't intentionally parenting, I guess when we did assign genders to our children, right? Um, but like when when that came up, um you know, I feel like we did what. I, I really wish that a lot of—I mean—I don't want to be too full of myself here, but you know, I hear, you know, your guest, and I mean, parents are fucking awful. Um, they really are fucking awful a lot of the time, and I feel like I at least did the bare minimum, I guess. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess the other thing that I sort of like, <laughs> right, am thinking about, and I guess, I guess, yeah, like I don't think that I think there are ways to go about sort of like, um gender neutral or gender full parenting or whatever that sure. i would say are probably harmful um, oh
2: okay Tell yeah me. like more. so
3: um
0: i think that there is
2: like a sort of i think that like if you are not equipping I, and again this
0: is a thing like i'm not sure like what the actual sort of like rate of this happening is because i feel like there's probably mm-hmm. some sample bias in me that like i you know uh am the kind of person that's hosting this podcast so you know Mm -hmm. the people that i come into contact with that are doing um stuff like this tend to be the sort of like smartest and most thoughtful um wow that sounded really fucking like (laughs) i mean (laughs) i don't think you're wrong Right, wow, I sound like a fucking asshole. Um, no, but like you know what I mean. Like so, I guess like what I'm sort of thinking about specifically is that like you do need to kind of like equip a child with understanding okay. that like cissexism is going to be a thing that's going to structure their experience of the world, and that Absolutely. you as a sort of like family are not sort of like the child's entire world mm-hmm. when. You know, I mean, like, I, I I, live in the South right now, and okay. a thing that, like, I've encountered from a lot of, like, my friends that grew up around here is, like, this really pervasive attempt by a lot of families to make the family the child's world, and that mm. has yeah. just, seems to be, like, universally harmful. And I, I don't think that, I don't think that, like, many... This is not to sort of like draw an equivalency between like gender neutral parenting or genderful mm-hmm. parenting, even like the sort of like you know like I said potentially harmful gender neutral parenting and that mm-hmm. like I think that the the stuff that I'm talking about that like happens in the south um, mm-hmm. doesn't just happen in the south. It happens all over nope. the place, but yes. um, it's it's distinctive to me uh, as a southern phenomenon because the scale of it is seems to be so much it's so much more common here.
1: Um, a funny thing about um. The Pacific Northwest is, like, I think really what makes it so, quote unquote, liberal is that it's just like we have these really compact cities that are big. And then there's a whole bunch of, like, really sparsely populated, like, countryside, like, a lot of it, like, wilderness and stuff. Um, But, like, the the difference in, in culture going from, like, these big cities to, like immediately outside of them is huge. And I think sometimes like folks from elsewhere kind of just see like, oh, it's, you know, nice liberal Portland or Seattle or what have you, um, kind of miss that. Like once you kind of leave those areas and you go out into the country, it's like, yeah, it's it's very right wing, probably some of the most right wing areas in the country. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and then yeah, that kind of family is is definitely a huge thing here. I've known people in my life here who wrote, who grew up in like Christian feminist families that were yeah. very restrictive and, you know, and it's funny cause they do homeschooling, but they completely recreate like the authoritarian school, like, and then some, right. Um, except now yeah. it's like, instead of being in a classroom, it's like in someone's living room. Right.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Entirely. Yeah. Yep. But I, I mean, sort of like with the, with this topic, I think that like, again, like, I don't, I don't know what, you know, I'm sure that, probably the majority of parents that do this are uh, more thoughtful than sure. what you would sort of assume first blush splash or whatever. Um, that, yeah, that, that they, they do sort of, like, understand they should be able to, like, equip their child for, like, understanding, like, both how they're going to be perceived socially um, around them, what the sort of, like, relative, you know, uh, or, like, what the kind of, like, you know ethical moral valence of that is going to be um and then like supporting them when like they do inevitably run up against like mm-hmm. yeah like the sexism or just regular sexism or misogyny or homophobia or transphobia or any of those sorts of things
2: mm-hmm. um and i don't necessarily think that like i don't know yeah i, I guess i find that is
0: probably a more uh I don't know that that seems to be an important part of of that kind of relationship absolutely
3: um,
2: yeah
0: but i <laughs> i'm sorry i feel like i i took us
1: uh, on. you're okay a, though that's really a interesting lot of, a i like lot that
0: of rambling uh, thank you i like I'm that a lot yeah uh-huh. um yeah uh, we
1: don't want to rec- recreate like kind of the sort of uh enclosed or you know um I hate the word authoritarian, even though I just used it a few times. But like <laughs> the authoritarian family, right? We um, right. want to recreate that, creating like a you know gender neutral or genderful family as well, which I don't think a lot of people necessarily do that. But I can see how that could happen. Yeah. Anyways, as you were saying, yeah. Um, yeah. So that gets really into into me actually, uh, <laughs> because I am the you know, as I said, like, the, the dad who became a trans mom after her trans daughter. Um, so, yeah, this was all going on. And, um, yes, so kind of the pandemic happened around the same time. And, uh, you know, I as I was saying earlier, like, my political stuff got me into, like, I was around more queer people again, like, in grad school I was too. Like, it's not like they all just went away, but um, I think I'm being too black and white about this. But um, yeah, I got much more. So basically, I you know during the lockdown stuff, I, I got into Twitter and I got into communist Twitter, and as you do, <laughs> you end up with a whole bunch of a uh, transmutuals, which um, I don't know if that's you know somewhat uh, because of who I am, um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's something that happens, right? Um, and you know, uh, these things I became much more aware of. Um, And at this time, like, I started having much more thoughts and much more, uh, I guess you could say, uh, identification with being trans or non-binary. But also, kind of, I just wasn't really happy with who who I was. Like, as I was saying, like, with Amanda and with doing these new things and finding, like, you know, an identity in my life after like dropping out of grad school and stuff. Um, I, you know, I was doing all these neat things. Like I was like, <laughs> you know, somewhat fruitfully, somewhat unfruitful, unfruitfully uh, organized my workplace. And like the union like sent me out to like all these neat trips and stuff. And I was doing all these neat things I was proud of. But like I, this is right before the pandemic, like literally months before. Um, and I, uh, are great things but like there was like a piece missing so to speak um and I didn't feel happy with myself whatsoever um and so like as I'm becoming more aware of of transness i I begin to have these thoughts right um and this is also as our daughter is developing like her own trans identity too like this is before she you know pulled the trigger on on uh, transitioning which happened two years ago but like um but as that was developing for sure um so around about like I would say th- almost three years ago like in I want to say spring late winter 2021 Or yeah sorry uh, yeah so like early 2021 uh <laughs> I, I was like you know I really need to act on this and so I wrote this letter to my partner and I wrote a note uh I did it in a note for some reason uh <laughs> and I uh I basically came out as non-binary although I was just reading the note just now before we started talking um because like oh damn I really need to read that because I haven't read it like literally since I read it um wouldn't it be a funny thing to read and indeed it was um I completely half-assed it basically um so like I was like yeah I'm I'm not comfortable being a man Amanda I, I i just want to write this note to you saying i i love you and a lot of things like i've said in this podcast too like oh you can you really let me be who i am and i want, you know i don't feel entirely comfortable with being a man and uh <laughs> and so the wording was terrible like and just completely bonkers now that i'm looking back like at one point i was like i don't know if i was trying to reassure her or something i said I am not a woman and I was just and I was okay for saying masculine even the majority of the time and I don't cringe when someone calls me he these are like literal words I said uh, or wrote um but like I wanted to be more feminine I wanted to be able to like dress feminine sometimes and I guess you you could say I wanted to be like someone who I don't know if I wanted to be someone who cross-dressed or if I wanted to be someone who's, like, gender-fluid but, like, was masculine mode most of the time. But the moat basically was something like that. Um, The funny thing is that Amanda says she knew a trans woman from the moment she read it. (laughs) 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 Despite saying all that shit, which makes me cringe now. But, like, that's where I was, I guess. Did she? (laughs) I mean, I
0: right, I guess she knows your... Uh, your trans daughter, obviously. Um, yeah. Did she did she know other trans women prior to this?
2: Oh damn. Um. I. I won't speak for her, but I don't think so. Okay. I don't Interesting.
1: Think so. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Um,
0: I mean, it can also just be a case of uh, the lady doth protest too much. It really, yeah, Whatever probably was. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um and yeah so she helped me buy a bunch of clothes but it was mostly like underwear and pajamas and stuff like the kind of things you don't necessarily wear out. Uh there's one dress which I can't for life me find I really wish I could. It was really nice. Um but I never wore it out. Um I mm-hmm. would now if I could find it. Um But yeah and so I was completely half-assed, largely not committed and yeah, you know, I didn't have her refer to me as like they them or anything. It was just very much like a half-assed halfway move move and yeah and it kind of got to a point where i just kind of put it all away like literally and we didn't really talk about it um but i would think about it <laughs> um so like i would dream that i was tr- started transitioning or um i'd have my normal dreams but i would just be like oh but i'm a woman uh <laughs> um Often I'd go to sleep or wake up and I'd have like a thought based like, oh, you know you're a trans woman. What what the fuck are you doing? Um But like I'd move about my day, like I'd get up, like maybe I'd like turn on the shower, I was like, oh yeah, I had that dream again. I should probably be a woman. And I'd take a shower and uh, <laughs> I'd get dressed, I go to work, and I wouldn't think about it. Um
2: And so that was like about like two years of that. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of fucked up, um, a big
1: part of it was, like, I didn't feel like I was worth the effort, like, I was worried about, like, oh, how would my partner react, how would my kids react and all that, um, just silly in hindsight, really silly in hindsight, um, Granted, I came i I came out as quote unquote non-binary before our daughter came out as a, well. Before she pulled the trigger on coming out, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I don't know. It was silly of me to be worried about that, but like, I didn't feel like I was worth the effort, basically. So I was like, oh, that sounds like a really hard thing to do, and it sounds like all these people in my life would have to do things around that, and. I don't know. Am I
2: really worth that? I didn't really think so at the time, honestly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What?
0: What gave you um, the confidence to decide that you were worth
2: that? I don't know. So, like, basically, it's really weird. Um, it
1: it just kind of got to a point where. It just became too much. And I think so basically I'll tell it like this. I was going to bed, I was like laying down, and it was one of those nights where I was thinking about this. And but like this time, like I just had this sudden conviction to like it's like, you know what? Like you think about this like pretty darn regularly. Uh, <laughs> and you know, at this point I had a trans daughter who had like who's on puberty blockers. Uh, my parents knew about it. Uh, <laughs> she was out at school. She was, you know, she was a girl. Um, <laughs> she had transitioned. And um
2: and so yeah, it's like, okay, if this if this like 12, 13 year old could do it, she's 13 at that time. Uh, fuck, I could too. And um yeah, yeah.
1: And so, yeah, I had this, like, this sort of resolution. And it was a funny feeling. It was just like, okay, I'm determined to do this now. And it was completely, I cannot explain it. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe I could have, like, fucking eaten a different thing and had some indigestion and it wouldn't have happened. I have no fucking clue. But, like, yeah, I just went to sleep one night and I just had this resolute feeling. And I got up the next morning. And I took a shower, and I was thinking about it again. I still had that same feeling, and I got dressed. I went to work, and I still had the same feeling, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And um, yeah, so the very next day after work, uh, after the kids went to bed, I was like, Amanda, I have this really important this. I something I really need to tell you. I think it's I think it's a good thing. And she immediately uh, responded to me. it's about your gender. <laughs> <laughs> so she knew, she, she knew, like, she knew exactly what I was going to say. I was like, Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm a trans woman. <laughs> and, um, and it was lovely. Uh, yeah. And, you know, like, I'm incredibly lucky. She's
2: super sweet and, um, really helped me. But yeah. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad. Thank it's, you. That's special. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. It's really special. Like, fuck. I, you know, since coming out, like, I am more, like, I've intentionally, like, joined, like, transport groups and stuff. And the kind of person who's in a transport group, honestly, are, like, more, like, people like me. Like, I think a lot of people who are younger, like, you know, just have more of an organic, like, <laughs> you know, circle of people who are trans, right? Um, And so, I know a lot of people who transition just like I, like who had, you know, partners or who had, had wives or husbands. And, like, you know, we, I said earlier, based on, <laughs> you know, your show and people's stories, like parents can be shitty and, you know, partners can be really shitty too, and um, for terrible things. And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of times people amicably separate, which is, you know, okay. Sometimes nasty things happen, too. And um, I'm incredibly lucky, for sure. Um,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's funny, too. Like, I guess we can,
1: like, this is one of the topics I was going to mention, like, the whole concept of, like, a trans widow, right? Or
2: trans girl trans widows as we've seen, right?
1: (laughs) Um, Right. From what I've seen from people, like, people on your show, people in my support groups and stuff, like, you know, there are people who do it, um, who stay together. um, But also, like, if you don't, like, you know, people co-parent all the time, and you could just not be shitty about it. (laughs) Um, You know, um, but a lot of folks who are, like, successful, like, a lot of them, a big theme is, like, they become polyamorous. Um, Like, you've had guests that were like that. I know people in my own life that are like that. Um, And, you know, a lot of times, like, polyamory is like something, something like opening relationship like in a marriage like something that's really risky for it. but it almost seems like in this specific instance, maybe it's like something that makes relationships stronger. um, <laughs> um I don't know, completely like anecdotal just based on I know a lot of people who were successful in this and that's what they did. Um, mm-hmm. But also there's just f- folks who like, you know their sexuality, like people who are who are monogamous and have no interest in polyamory who um, you know, their sexuality is like almost like their partner, right? Um, and their partner might radically change, might change their gender, and they're still like attracted to that person. So, yeah, it's the whole idea of like a trans widow, uh, is, is really, is really fucked up. It just isn't just misogynistic, like you know, I i think so. Um,
2: by the Jolene, yeah, uh, <laughs> standard misogyny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, your podcast is great. Like, it's
1: funny. A couple of people that I went to for support were like guests from your show, uh, Kathy and Cordelia. They're some of the first oh, people I talked to.
2: Yeah,
1: and then like I just like binge great. listened to it uh, <laughs> after I came out. It's funny because I knew about it, and like I listened to a few episodes, and I was like.
2: This is like a few months before I transitioned. I was like, ah, oh, this is mm-hmm. like, it's like Pandora's box right here. Like, I listened to a couple episodes and was like, oh,
1: <laughs> I can't keep doing that. Yeah. But like, when I did, I listened to them, like, listen all of them. I'm super grateful for it. That was low-key
0: something I was kind of hoping
2: to do. It's a podcast. The yeah.
0: Pandora's box type thing, just kind of.
2: Absolutely. I, I mean, think I maybe... described it
0: at one point as like, throwing out little bottles into the
2: ocean. You know, just kind of with messages. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it played a role for sure, even before. I mean, like, it was, yeah, it did, it did. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think about these, uh, these girls that, like, you know,
1: these trans girls that, that don't like uh, people who come out late? what are some of your thoughts there (laughs) it's just always really stupid
0: it's always really funny it's always really like um i don't know i mean it it is just kind of you can tell it's just the sort of uh what
2: someone made a good oh yeah someone made a good joke about um how this sort of like
0: uh seems like correlate with like the weird sort of like um, vague like radical feminist like aesthetics or I guess what they write the thing that they seem to
2: appreciate about radical feminism um, I think is the sort of critique of um, hmm, maybe something you could say like a like a stereotypical or a
0: typical not even necessarily stereotypical just actually typical uh contemporary male sexuality um mm. and specifically like porn and violence and sure. stuff like that uh someone made a funny joke about this the other day that like you know they sort of will any one of these people will you know sort of like go on and on about you know they just don't understand like uh why someone would enjoy you know uh inflicting pain on another person um mm-hmm. but Look at how any of them behave the second that they have an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, sort of (laughs) direct that kind of energy at, uh, you know, someone that they perceive as being beneath them. Um,
2: They they clearly do actually understand it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely
1: comes from a place of like self hatred and the kind of that self hatred manifesting into outward hatred, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I think everyone probably
0: recognizes, like, oh, you know, therefore the grace of God go I. Sure. Um. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe maybe some of it is. Maybe some of it is kind of you know wanting to to deny those feelings. I think that mm-hmm. you know you, you that it does take a
2: sort of strenuous. Um. I don't know what's a good yeah. word for this. But yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I guess kind of something I'd like to tease out here is like how we sort of appropriate certain things that are derogatory, right? Um, right. Like a lot of folks on your podcasts, like, you know, will appropriate being a faggot or dyke. And I think that's beautiful. I love them. Um, and, you know, there is something... But like, I, I see... And I don't know, maybe this is a little controversial because I know there are, you've had a couple of guests that honestly didn't seem like nasty people, um, not get me wrong, but like people who did like identify with like, you know, Blanchardian typologies, like, you know, with AGP, HSTS, etc. Um, again, your guests seem like lovely people and were not like sort of <laughs> outwardly hateful people. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I kind of feel like those terms, you know, because it's like, you know, you are a man with a fetish for like with autogynephilia who's like just getting his rocks off um you know pretending to be a woman or whatever um are you a gay guy who's a fetish for getting straight guys like i don't see a way to appropriate that and have that not be something that's based
2: in self-hatred to be honest um i don't know maybe that's a bit of a hot take but um I
1: think there are certain things that we can appropriate, like like again, faggotry, diagnose, et cetera. Um, but I think there are some things which are really best left, just let them die, you know?
2: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's my opinion. I do not represent Julian in the podcast.
1: <laughs> no I'm, I'm just thinking i actually earlier today was messaging
0: um a previous guest of the show uh who is who is very into the sort of typology um, sure. sexology type stuff uh about um them coming back on to do a sort of debate style mm. <laughs> oh my <laughs> um because I'm, I'm in my selling out era. <laughs> sure. I mean, so like, I don't blame you. Okay, what do the, the, the kids like? You know, they like debates. Um, yeah. So we're we're going to do, a, I guess we should, I don't know, maybe, should we get on Twitch? <laughs> um, <laughs> Twitch
1: stream, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you can make
3: some yeah, money
0: there. Do, do a, do a, yeah, do a Twitch debate.
2: Um, yeah. You may, but, I um, make more money there than Patreon, but like, the the content might be awful. What are you saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't know. I'm,
0: I, Uh, I truly have, have no idea what, what the logistics of that would be, but, um, right. I don't know. We, we, we were were talking about this, right. And that this is a sort of thing that I do want to press them on because the, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think that a lot of the sort of like, you know, I sort of also right like toy around with the idea of, myself as a sexologist or this project Mm -hmm. as a type of
1: sexology um
0: sure that's fine you know right like i have no problem
1: with sexology (laughs) i just think that these categories (laughs) are inherently like well
0: yeah (laughs) i mean i think that i i don't know i guess i sort of have a a type of problem with sexology and like uh um sense of right you know if we if we look at the the way that i've characterized misogyny before right as Correct. the belief in sex um mm-hmm. then you know uh what does the study of sex can you study something without believing in it i guess probably you probably can um skepticism is a is a good position um so sure maybe, yeah maybe yeah. I'm, I'm solving all my problems for myself um <laughs> but i i think that there's right um I don't know. I, I sort of, I find a lot of the, that sort of stuff to be just kind of uh, wrong-headed from a, a from a lot of perspectives. It seems to sure. me, really. I'm never sure exactly what any of that stuff kind of does for the people that
2: uh, mm-hmm. that, that do like it. Um, I don't know. I, don't um, know. I, I I I try to. Um,
0: I try to, I I don't know, I I sometimes do try to think about, like, well, how would I sort of describe myself in any of these, and I I don't really come up with anything. It just doesn't, I don't know, I'm I'm like, I don't think it's, it's not that I don't think about my, you know, uh, I don't know, it's not like I don't, it's not like I don't uh, think about my sexuality, but it's also just not, like. I don't know. Those don't, those don't really seem like a like pertinent ways
1: of describing it. Um... So I'm going to give you a new term, and you can credit me for it. As your uh, almost linguistic anthropologist, you know, you're doing you're you're investigating sex scenes. So you know, like, it's it's an emic research. Uh, it's an emic sort of like a con- concept, like the the emic fad- faggot, the emic dyke, and uh, yeah, these are these are sex scenes. You know, as opposed to like. Believing they're discrete things that are like really real, but this is like they're real in the sense that people, you know, um work with them in concrete ways and in real ways that affect them and affect their their lives and identities and the way they think about themselves and other people. So wait, what what are what sorry,
0: what is this t- how how, how do I spell this term? <laughs> S-E-S. I,
1: okay. Yeah, me. Sexeme. Like a morpheme.
2: Okay. Okay. Sexeme
1: okay yeah Yeah. there we go yeah
0: episteme
2: um episteme absolutely
0: yeah okay interesting well what was the uh, you said uh edict fag or something like that
1: what was the oh yeah so like you know so okay so sorry Um, There is like a more fancy philosophical word for it, I forget it, Um, but like in sort of linguistically land, uh, linguistic semiotics, structuralism, there's like the concept of the emic, which is like, versus edic. So like, edic would be like, as it exists within a particular speaker's language, versus like, edic would be like, the if you got a chart and like these are all the sounds that are possible from the vocal tract and it comes from this particular part of the vocal tract articulated in this way, that's like an edict sort of description. Like you got this grid and you're putting on stuff. Whereas emic is like how it exists in that in that language or in that person's cultural system.
2: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> okay
0: well that's 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 good i like that sex scenes, yeah. and... sex scenes
2: yeah i like that i actually do really like that now that i i sort of like um yeah now that i
0: now that i started to think about that i guess because it's a sort of succinct way of saying like a a sex characteristic right that without necessarily referring to It as the entirety of uh, a a sex, right? Absolutely.
1: Uh, Or it's not. It's something as it exists for that person for this cultural world, as opposed to, you know, something that's like, this is, yeah, you know, concrete objective. You know, there are concrete objective faggots and concrete objective dykes, and but no, it's like some people exist as faggots, some people exist as dykes,
3: and it's something that is um, that they. They define in their own usage of
2: it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah.
1: So it's I I started this out really funny because like I probably should have prefaced whatever I was going with this, but I'm glad that we had this conversation. Yeah, I'm really glad too. This has been a really
0: good episode. I'm really excited to share it with people. Um, Thank you. It's been really, it's been really helpful for me. It's been clarifying for me. Um, I'm glad. As that's well. super,
1: super gratifying. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs>
0: um, that is, I don't know. That is just kind of the. I I do think that um, it's very funny to me when people uh, um. And yeah, I don't know. It, it it is. I mean, I put this out because I do hope that people take it seriously. But this is also very like um uh. It's not like I'm just saying stuff with like no sort of like reasoning or thinking behind it. But this is very sure. sort of much me like working through um stuff. Me very much like um yeah. trying things out, saying things, seeing how mm-hmm. I feel about them. Um there's definitely like things I've said on here that I wouldn't really stand behind now. Um sure. you know or I would say like oh well you know I said that because I thought that it would, you know, contribute to a discussion better. It's not necessarily a a, a solid belief of mine or something like that. And that's you know fine. Um that's just sort of uh I don't know, but it's it's it's, it's this, this this has been a very clarifying episode, I should say. So thank you very much of course um, thank you for coming on and thank you to the audience for listening and thank you to everyone that supports us on patreon um as i i, I dropped the joanna roos reference earlier in this episode if you want to hear that episode will probably be out by the time this episode comes out um but go listen to it it's really really great i had lynn from a previous guest of the show, Lynn, who was on uh who or who edited the volume Make the Golf Course into a Public Sex Forest. Um yeah, Lynn and I talked about Joanna Roos and Samuel Delaney and Sci-Fi and it was it was a, a really fun episode. Um and That's really fun. yes. Um also the Patreon is gonna have more Alkingham episodes um soon. Reminds me, I need to send some DMs about that. Um, <laughs> hmm. But yeah, um, thank you to Roxana, Roxanna for uh, coming on. Do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to direct people's attention to?
1: Um, you know, I want to plug uh, supportive partners. I want to plug uh, supportive parents, trans kids, and also the mid-20th century uh, Iranian poet Farouk Farouk Saad. She's got some great, sad... Uh, Very erotic uh, poetry that you should really check out. There's a bunch of good translations of it, so check it out.
2: What's her name? Faruk Farokzad. F O R U G H F A R R O K H Z A D. what what century did you say 20th century like okay i'm like for some, reason, for some reason i i
0: i glossed it as 12th and i was no like... yeah i mean there's a lot of good old shit too but like no she's she's like i uh, i was just why well, I, I saw her wikipedia page and i was like okay so there was not a film director in the 12th century no I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> no 20th yeah she's uh okay. yeah, she's great great okay. erotic uh sad poetry that's
0: awesome oh my yeah. god this is so cool awesome. okay um yeah i will i will put a link to uh her wikipedia page oh yeah um
2: because yeah
0: um yeah wonderful hell yeah well, thank you well so much, yeah thank you so much
2: um and have a great evening you too thank you